And so the emotional sort of decluttering is to get that calm and peace. So like calming the snow globe and then filling that space with purposeful, what you want in your life. So I actually really think of mindful minimalism as living with intention. Hey there, I'm Ani Michalski, wellness coach, therapist, and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos. This podcast is for moms who desperately need a break, but refuse to take one. You know who you are. You have a jam-packed schedule and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else, you don't leave any time for you. What's up with that? Well, no more. Take off your superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to-do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. We have with us today, Dr. Jesse Mahoney. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. Dr. Jesse Mahoney is a mindful coach, a yoga instructor, a board certified pediatrician, and a wellness leader. She is the founder of Pause and Presence, where she coaches women who are unsuccessful. I'm sorry, who are let me just scratch that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the holiday week. All right. Hold on. Let me get a drink of water. Yeah. Okay. Take a moment. <coughs> okay. We ready? <laughs> okay. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Jesse Mahoney is a mindful coach, a yoga instructor, a board certified pediatrician, and a wellness leader. She is the founder of Pause and Presence, where she coaches women who are successful on the surface, yet struggle underneath. She combines mindfulness and coaching to help her clients find calm, peace, connection, and a clear path forward. Her coaching passions are parenting struggles, challenging relationships, career transitions, and emotional and physical decluttering. She teaches mindful yoga specifically designed to help you breathe, heal, replenish, and grow on both Zoom and YouTube. Dr. Mahoney is also the co-host of the Mindful Healers podcast, where she speaks on burnout and mindful solutions for busy professionals. Today, we'll be talking with Jesse about mindful minimalism and why it's so important to do regular emotional decluttering. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Thanks so much for having me. So I shared with the listeners your bio, but tell us a bit more about your journey and how you got to be where you are today. So I, um, boy, it's been a long journey as I think about the journey. Uh, <laughs> I was a pediatrician for 20 years at Kaiser and a, what, what we call primary care pediatrician. So saw all the kids for their well visits and I also did hospital work. But one of the other things that I did in medicine was work with physicians themselves on being well and healing themselves and taking care of themselves. And that has led me to many other wellness passions and to really look at health and wellness from a more holistic perspective. And then about six-ish years ago, I had some struggles of my own. My husband developed some mental health struggles and we'd been married for 22 years. And I had three teenage boys all at the same time while practicing medicine and had several leadership positions. And all the tools that I had just weren't enough and didn't work at that point. And so I say I went back to yoga. I had dabbled in yoga for my whole life, but 
but I would say really dabbled when, when, when I felt like it and when I needed it. So I went one day and I just started with one deep breath and it led to me becoming a yoga instructor essentially, because <laughs> I found the mindfulness so helpful. And I just signed up for, and I often tell people this, the unlimited package, because I just thought I just need to go and I don't need to have the drama about signing up and doing it. I'll just go whenever I can. And it, the mindfulness really just helped healing, creating space um, and allowing me to see a path forward, kind of quieting the snow globe. And then at the same time, I hired a coach and um, there is a whole trend in physicians now of working with physician coaches. And I do a lot of coaching of women physicians, but um, at that time, there weren't really any physician coaches at all, physicians who had become coaches. And so I worked with someone whose husband was a physician because I thought maybe she would understand it. I actually don't think that you need to coach with someone who's like you at all now that I know more about it. But when I was first looking at it, I just felt like this is something that I can connect with. Mm -hmm. And so at the same time as doing yoga, I did six months of coaching. And together, the sort of synergism between mindfulness and the coaching, which I see as like the mindfulness is creating space. And then the coaching is the intention that you bring into that space and what you want to do and how you want to move forward. They essentially just changed my whole life. And so from there, I brought them into the practice of medicine, actually teaching moms to meditate and um, started teaching doctors yoga and doing kind of bringing it into all areas of my life. And ultimately, two years ago, I actually retired from my pediatric practice and transitioned full time to coaching and teaching mindfulness and teaching yoga. And I came to that because I felt like it had, it was for me the path to health. And so I was kind of sticking on band-aids in, in my clinical practice when if I could work with moms and parents and even people with struggling marriages and help them sort of approach life differently, that impacted people's health and wellness and life experience so much more. So that's how I got here. And, um, sort of lucky or crazy or not, I had, um, I pivoted literally two weeks before COVID, but I had made the decision to do it, not knowing COVID was coming. And so that has kind of played into the whole um, experience as well. And I think in a good way, in the sense that it's been a time period where people are really looking to make change and reevaluate and really live with intention. And that's how I got here and um, what I hope to help people with moving forward. So I know you focus a lot on the mindful minimalism. And that's something when um, you had first applied to be on the podcast, I was intrigued by that because minimalism has kind of taken, you know, there's been a flashlight on it. The recent years, we hear a lot about it. Um, There's like the minimalistic movement and even, I don't even know if you've seen this, but on like Netflix, the minimal guys, the minimalist guys. So a lot of us have seen that. And there are definitely aspects of minimalism that is, you know, attractive. And especially for us moms who are, are constantly being pulled in a million different directions and we're constantly, you know, up against the hustle culture. And so you had mentioned about this emotional minimalism and the decluttering that happens, um, which is different than like cleaning out our closets, mm-hmm. right? So tell us a little bit more about how you got into that and what, what exactly is 
Yeah, and so I actually think it's a little bit of both, honestly, because when you declutter your closet, you feel better. And then you can sort of approach life in a much more clear path. But when you declutter your mind, it also helps you declutter your closet. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so vice versa. So to me, they're almost inseparable. And what's what I find interesting is people are actually more willing to or want to declutter stuff rather than declutter their life because it feels better. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier too. Like it's more tangible. Yeah, it may be. <laughs> I, I think that they're actually one and the same, but we can't separate them in our mind essentially because we don't have minimalism. So mm-hmm. we are, our minds are full of clutter and cobwebs and overwhelm. And as you said, the pull and the hustle, and that's really the culture that we have. And it's, the kind of consumerism culture and the culture of parenting, honestly. I work with so many people who feel like they have to do more and more and more and more with their kids and their families. And if they don't, something bad will happen, essentially. They won't Or they're not keeping up. They're not keeping up with with everyone else. And so the emotional sort of decluttering is to get that calm and peace. So like calming the snow globe and then filling that space with purposeful, what you want in your life. So I actually really think of mindful minimalism as living with intention. And if you think about um, responding rather than reacting. And so there's a famous mindfulness quote, which is the, um, it's the space between the stimulus and the response. That's where your power and control lie. And we spend most of our time reacting, honestly, as parents. Um, And we spend most of our time literally in the world reacting to what's on our phone and what's in our house. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of minimalism and sort of mindful minimalism is to quiet your mind and where you have that space. So you lengthen the space between the stimulus and the response, and then you can choose how, I always say how you want to show up because it's kind of a simple way to think about it. Right. Right. That's very similar. Like um, in my therapy practice, I do that with, um, we do a lot of, you know, cognitive reframing and creating this and moms or my clients struggle with, you know, not doing it in the moment and not, you know, more of that reaction. They're, Mm -hmm. they're so um, conditioned to have a certain reaction and they're reacting on like those beliefs that they hold and then how we work on like lengthening that time and doing the work that's involved to be able to, to, to start doing it in the moment, like start, you know, that response time gets smaller, but as you get better able to respond and, and so it sounds similar. Hey, did you know that there's a Facebook group filled with moms without capes? Women who are learning that it's safe to take off the superwoman cape and take care of themselves? There sure is. And we'd love to have you in the group. Moms Without Capes is a free community for moms who feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and exhausted from trying to do it all. Come discover who you are under that cape and give yourself permission to show yourself some love. Search Moms Without Capes when you're in Facebook or follow the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. See you there. Yeah, what I found is that it's the mindfulness that allows you to do that. In, mm-hmm. in, in the sort of medical standpoint, we have two n- nervous systems, your parasympathetic and your sympathetic. And your sympathetic is fight or flight, running from the tiger. And in our current culture, we're all in that <laughs> all the time. Right. And the parasympathetic is sort of the rest, digest, restore, calm. And so when you practice mindfulness at baseline and 
I will say I'm totally a practical person. You don't have to sit on your mat for 45 minutes and meditate. There are lots of other ways to do it. But that when you practice that, you up-level that parasympathetic nervous system. So you've lengthened the pause. And then you can add back in what you want. And so the minimalism part is getting rid of all the excess distractions that are not causing you joy. If we're talking about Marie Kondo, right? Right, right. (laughs) The spark. All the things that are not causing you joy. I actually, you know, in coaching, we often say the things that are not serving you. I like to say they're also not helpful. So Mm -hmm. like the thoughts that are harmful or the thoughts that are not helpful. In yoga and in medicine, we talk about um, doing no harm. It's sort of the, um, and in yoga, it's called ahimsa. And the idea is that we do harm to ourselves with all of that consumption and excess Mm -hmm. and and noise. And so mindful minimalism is really like getting rid of the noise and getting rid of what you don't want, but we have to figure out what that is. And for most of us, we don't pause long enough. So that's sort of the idea around pausing and being present is pausing long enough figure out what it is. What is that noise? And what do you want to do with it? Right. Yeah. That seems like it would be, you know, cause we don't, we're, we are moving full speed ahead and rarely do we take the time to actually reflect on like what it is that we don't need. And like you said, in the beginning, we're just, you know, trying to do more and more and more instead of subtracting from our life, which is like about the minimalism and subtracting and figuring out like what is important and what do you want to keep those priorities? Yeah. And I think about minimalism as how you want to feel. And if you think about Marie Kondo and how like a minimalist house feels, Mm -hmm. you feel calm and peaceful. And so if you think about that, that's actually what you want even more than like, I want my kids to do X or I want to be able to do Y, but I want to feel calm and peaceful in my life. Then you can start to see what doesn't cause calm and peace and figure out how to let it go. Realizing that actually letting it go is the hard part. And Mm -hmm. we are exceptional at doing more and having all this noise, letting go and doing less is so much harder for most of us. Can you share some strategies about how exactly do we go about? Because I know it is difficult to do this mental decluttering. What are some strategies and tips that you can offer? Well, I would say the first strategy is actually practicing mindfulness, but simply. So to me, it's not, if you're adding it in as another to do, then you're just adding more, adding more clutter. So I offer just the pot, the um, apps, because I think they're really easy and you pick one, it doesn't matter which one you pick and you literally hit a five minutes and you do play and you do it, you know, five minutes a day is a way to start. Even simpler, you can start with just breathing. Uh, if that, if that is all you can Which do, is where right? you started. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> One deep breath, right. I needed it. Um, and so you can take three deep breaths or you can do, you know, there's lots of different ways of box breathing. They have these cool, um, they have something called the Hoberman sphere that you can get at Amazon. And I'm not, I have no interest in Amazon, <laughs> but the it's for kids and it kind of, you breathe with it. And so even adults can use it. Like sometimes we need something to focus on that just like brings us back into ourselves and brings your mind and body into the same place. Because from a place of reactivity and scattered, you can't make any decisions. Right. And then I like to think of it as just making choices. I think we make decision-making really hard and we get into this sort of scarcity mindset of what if this or what if that, and what if I make a wrong decision? And anxiety um, for sure. Yeah. And so stepping out of that and just deciding that you're a pretty darn good decision maker, most of your decisions are good and you'll just pick one 
and move on. Mm -hmm. But it takes to me the real intention of how you want to feel and noticing the things that make you not feel that way and make a choice. And move towards the feeling that you want to be feeling. Yes, absolutely. And away from the one you don't. But I actually think it's so much easier to focus on what you want than what you don't want. You'll actually end up getting there. But keeping it very simple, there's no wrong decision. Um, And you can even have it be more light. Like, well, what, I'm going to try this. Mm -hmm. And maybe try a quarter where your kids do less classes, for example. Right, right. Um, And to think about also the cost of having it, the thoughts, maybe the stories that don't serve you or the cost of having the stuff that you have to clean and all of that, or the cost of the um, resentment or the cost of needing people to do something for you. I was working with a client this week who, um, you know, moms feel like we do everything for everybody. And then Mm -hmm. it's like, no one will even do the smallest thing that she really wants. And so the story in her head is that no one is being respectful or appreciating her, or they won't even do this one thing. Right. That's not really helping hit the situation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what's the cost of that story? And minimalism might be to just show up neutral about it all. Or to, if she really wants to do something, do it for herself, like model what it, what it is like, the things that she enjoys and show up joyful rather than from this place of resentment, it's meant and resentment. Right. Right. So shifting, learning how to shift that narrative. Yeah. And so that's actually minimalism, letting go of all the things that cause you, I might even go so far as pain. And I think we don't like to think that we're causing ourselves pain, but we actually mm-hmm. cause ourselves a ton of pain. And so noticing um, where you're doing that and then choosing with intention to let it go, that's emotional decluttering. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I, I get that. So like you had said before about the intention and being able, and those decisions of learning, you know, the decision to let go of those things that are not serving you, whether that's the narrative or the thoughts or the beliefs or the, um, you know, any of those things that you're saying to yourself that are not helpful to let them go, move away from them, but at the same time, moving forward and moving towards those feelings and those, those good feelings that you can intentionally bring into yeah. your life. I think the other joy. thing is to notice what you want rather than what you should want. Cause I think we have so many ideas we get caught up in those shoulds. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And what you actually want that is quiet. And so choosing things that are quiet and clean, and that's the idea of minimalism. If you're likening it to a minimalist house, right. Right, right. It sounds like a lot of self-discovery and a lot of, you know, digging into yourself and who you are and what you want and what is this life that you want to be living. And asking that question, like, if this were simple, what would I do? That's like a way to think about it from a minimalist perspective. Because I think we think every decision is complicated, even around COVID. Should we cancel our trip? Should we not? Should we do this? Should we not? What's going to happen? It's like, if this were simple, what would I do? Now, is this a process that is ongoing or do you find that it gets easier the more you do it? I think it gets much easier because you have these questions that are sort of your questions. Once you figure out what your intention is, then you can just tap into those questions. And so um, 
I'll give the example that um, we're recording this right before the new year. And so I like to pick intentions for the new year. I don't pick new year's resolutions. And so I pick words. And um, one of my words for this year was love. I actually pick a couple of words, but so I just asked myself, well, what would love do? Mm-hmm. And it's not so much love for every, like everyone else, it includes me. And then that right. would I would love sign up for 17 things, would love to worry <laughs> about this, would love go on this trip, which, mm-hmm. you know, and usually there's a pretty clear answer, right. but you can't get to that answer if you don't get quiet enough, either with the mindfulness or with um, breathing, whatever it might be, if you're in the midst of just the churn. And I, I do think there's a component of this that if your life is full of clutter, stuff your house is full of clutter which is that connection you were talking really about. hard to do this and so it's a little bit of both and you have to really choose intentionally to simplify everything right so you can't be emotionally decluttered if your house is piled up with stuff everywhere is what you're saying yeah. you i mean you can but you you it's you a lot harder <laughs> Well, it immediately becomes really uncomfortable if you're trying to live a peaceful life and yet your bedroom is cluttered with chores and boxes to return and wrapping paper. And like, then all of a sudden your brain can't get to that peaceful spot. I like how you said that settling, or would you say calming the snow globe? Yeah, that's exactly, I get this picture in my mind of like what happens when the snowflakes all fall to the bottom and there is that quiet and peacefulness. So I do think that they are really interrelated, which I think is why that minimalism word is so helpful. And honestly, uh, it, both of them kind of do have to go together. And I think people don't want to but do that. But right. it's also, um, if you're setting the intention and you're going to live differently, you kind of have to set yourself up for success in that way. Right. And coming from um, like the mental health perspective, I think like I'm thinking of, of people who hoard. Right. And they are struggling so much. Like it's never just the stuff that's always like that deeper emotional and mental issues that, that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like that opposite, like clearing the physical clutter, you have to get to that emotional clutter in order to get to the source. And that's what that that sounds like that emotional minimalism. That's what that does. It gets to the source of that physical physical almost symptoms and so you can actually the beautiful thing about it is you can start with whichever one's easier for you sure yeah yeah and one's inevitably going to be leading to another because you'll feel that discomfort yeah exactly exactly well awesome you have definitely opened our eyes and gave us so much great value in this conversation and i hope that many of the listeners that are that are hearing this start thinking about where they can let go of some of that mental clutter that might be holding them back from living that joyful life and living a life of abundance for sure. So what is your favorite way? I know that you're a mom. You said of three teenagers, you've got your, (laughs) well, now they're young adults, which uh, a lot of people think it's easier. It's not easier. It's just different. It's just yeah. a different piece. It's different. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> different worries, all that. Hey mom, short on time, but feeling like you're at the end of your rope or that your bucket is nearing empty? Grab this list of 15 self-care practices that you can do in under 15 minutes. These ideas will get you quickly back on track and are great for moms who are limited on time. I think that's most of us. So check out the show notes or go to momswithoutcapes.com 
backslash self-care-ideas to download your list today. What is your favorite way to practice self-care? Now you have mentioned yoga and practicing mindfulness, but what is your go-to? What recharges you the most? It's interesting. I'm going to, um, my newest way of doing it is actually to ask a simple question. And then it leads me to what it is in that moment. Cause I think okay. some days it's yoga, some days it's a walk on the beach. Some days it's literally sitting in bed, drinking coffee for an extra few minutes. Mm -hmm. And so the current question that I'm asking myself is, um, what would luxurious do? And this idea of living luxuriously, it can be a cup of coffee. It's not usually more stuff. In fact, for me, since we've been talking about minimalism, it's like a clean house. And right. after some like that is luxurious or no stress is luxurious. Or often for me, it's nature or fresh air or yoga. So asking myself that question and then listening to what the answer, like in this moment, what would that be? Because it's going to be different in different moments. It might be going to your daughter's restaurant that might feel luxurious or it might be reading a book on the couch and so for me that just taps me back into this idea of really what would what would feel good and when I do that then I'm so much more able to be there for everybody else yeah which is what self-care does it enables you to be there for everybody else you get your full your get your full bucket or your mask on or whatever analogy that you want to use so that you can be better able to be there for everyone else that's depending on you for sure so what book would you say has greatly influenced the way you live your life today I have a book it's called um, good morning I love you and it's written by Shauna Shapiro she's a PhD at Stanford and the idea is um, it's about mindfulness and self-compassion but there's a practice in it where she talks about hand to heart. And so I use the hand to heart practice in all my yoga classes and I use it in all my coaching and I use it on myself all the time. And if you just do it, it feels amazing. And so this book really taps into sort of the simple practices of mindfulness that can make a big difference. And she talks a lot about letting go of shame, blame, and guilt, which is a lot of snow globe swirling around those things yes. <laughs> and a lot of guilt around parenting and the idea with this hand to heart practice is to check in with yourself it's as simple as that but there's also neuroscience around it and it releases a hormone called oxytocin which is the feel-good yeah. hormone and there was um this is not in the book but since this has sort of become my favorite book there's a new study out that shows that doing hand to heart decreases cortisol in your saliva which is like stress so actually, literally by putting your hand yeah. it, like in the moment, you feel amazing. It takes yeah. a bit, but you, so literally just starting to practice it. So her offering in the book and why it's called good morning. I love you is that you start your day by putting your hand to heart and saying, good morning. I love you. I will okay. offer that for me. That has actually never worked, even though it's my favorite book. I just <laughs> doing it. Um, so I, I kind of practice saying nothing. I practice saying good morning, trying out different ways. And so from everyone, it feels a little bit different. And so mm. good morning, good evening, good night. Or I actually now just see it as like a checking. Um, okay. And you sort of feel your hand underneath your heart and you can press the heel of your hand into that space. Like So in the book, she offers that practice. It's actually in the last chapter of the book. But she also has so much really good insight about what you practice grows and change is a direction, not a destination. And so it's a very, there's so many things in there that I just use in my everyday life. And I um, share with the people that I work with and I share tons of it in yoga as well. And so uh, that's my favorite new book. 
Awesome. Okay, so where can where can listeners find you? So they can find me. Um, on, the easiest way is my website, which is jessiemahoneymd.com. It's also pause and presence. So you can find me in either of those locations. And then on um, Facebook or YouTube is where a lot of my yoga classes are. And where um, you can join me for sort of live stream Zoom yoga. But if that doesn't work for your schedule, you can find them on YouTube at a later date. Okay. And for all of you who want to get in touch with Dr. Jesse Mahoney, you can check out the show notes under this episode for all of her contact information, including her website and her YouTube channel. And you can check out one of her yoga classes or all of them. <laughs> so, thank you so much for joining me and for sharing with the audience My your expertise. Pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. The mission of Moms Without Capes is to empower super moms, moms who don't make time for themselves because they are so busy taking care of everyone and everything else. My goal is to help you get comfortable with hanging up your cape. You might be holding on tight to your cape, tying your worth to your to-do list, packing your schedule and running the kids all over town, sacrificing or postponing your own passions, neglecting your health, and at the end of the day, falling into bed exhausted and already worrying about what needs to get done tomorrow. Sound familiar? This was me for about a decade. The guilt, the shame, the resentment, the overwhelm, the exhaustion. I struggled to put myself on my to-do list, and when I did, I was last on the list, and rarely did I feel up to doing anything that would make me feel good. So my health, my mood, and my family suffered because of it. I started with the doing part because I am an action taker. And so I began implementing small acts of self-care into my days. Being intentional about doing one small thing each day that was just for me. Then I began doing the internal work, the mindset shifts, the self-discovery, and the self-building that helped me truly love myself. Before then, I struggled with low self-esteem, lacked confidence, and was constantly criticizing myself. I had limited boundaries, which led me to saying yes, even when I meant no. I learned how to identify what I wanted and needed, and then got good at communicating what I needed and wanted. I started dealing with the perfectionism that ruled my life, and... I started practicing self-compassion. Maybe you are struggling with many of these same issues and you recognize yourself in what I just shared. If so, I invite you to sign up for a discovery call with me. I get it. I can help you let go of that super mom cape and not only find the woman hiding underneath, but fall in love with her. You do not have to do this alone. I want to help you. In the show notes of today's episode, you will find the link to my calendar. Let's talk about what's going on for you and see if working together would make sense on your journey to discovering and loving yourself. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Moms Without Caves podcast. I'm always up to hearing your ideas for future episodes, so send me a DM and let me know. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be awesome if you leave me a positive review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days. Until next time, take care of you. You are worth it.